0: Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com. I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E Now from there you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now on to our weekend message. God has blessed my wife and I with three amazing young boys. We actually have two more boys with us uh, for a while, so we got five boys. Pray for my wife. Six, six men in a house—talk about a mess. Um, but you know, when you have children, if you're blessed to have children, every child is different. There's a little bit of uh, uniqueness to each one. Uh, my youngest son Seth—he's—he's—he's he's, he's cool and weird at the same time. And um, and you know, he—he starts—he started doing this thing many years ago where we'd be watching a movie, and he'd say, Dad, could you pause it? And I'd pause it. I thought he needed to go to the restroom, but he wanted to know what time it was in the movie. And it's like, oh, are you bored? No, I just want to know where we are in the movie. I'm like... Okay, and uh, so he'd ask things like, what time is this? I remember he was like three years old. I came down, and he's in the blanket box, all right, and he opens it up, pops out. You know, it's like Jack in the Box, and pops out, and he goes, I've been in there for three minutes. I'm like, okay, how do you know that? I counted to 180. I'm like, what? You know, he, I think you were four when you counted to a thousand at grandma Margaret's house and was just like, why? Cause I wanted to reach a thousand me. I'd cheat. I'd go one, a thousand. We're done. No, he got every number in between. Uh, you know, my wife one time came to lie down in bed with the kids. She does that lay down with them and she goes, can I lay down with you for a minute? Sure. So she lies in bed with him and he starts counting <laughs> one to 60. All right, we're done now. Minute's over. <laughs> so he's a very time-conscious kid. Actually, what it is is he's a math-conscious kid, and he thinks in math. And uh, he was multiplying at three, four years old and doing figures and things like that. It's like, he didn't get it from me, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, we are time-conscious people, right? Uh, maybe not to that degree, but some of us, you know, we, we have watches. We want to know what time it is. That's a common question, what time it is. You know, we think about time. We budget our time. We spend our time time. Uh, we enjoy our time. We waste our time. We, we do a lot with time, and we're often asking the question, what time is it? We have clocks, we have watches on our computers, on our electronic devices, phones and tablets. We have the clock in our car, everywhere we, we know what time it is, right? I even have a clock on the pole, and it tells me what time it is, so it can tell me when to stop talking. Do I ever look at it? Not even close, right? <laughs> but the time is always there. We're very focused on time. It's part of our culture. It's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. Uh, other cultures aren't so focused on time. About 10 years ago, I started going to East Africa to train pastors. Love it. Love the men, the women, the folks over there hanging out, running in the morning with the children, going to school, talking to people, handing out candy, just sitting down, hearing stories. It's great. But I quickly figured out that their view of time and my view of time is radically different. Uh, for example, okay, training's going to start at 830. I'm there at 830. No one's there. Because 830 is a suggestion. You know, because we're talking with people on the way. Plus, we're walking 10 kilometers to get to the church. Right. And then so nine o'clock, people are trickling in nine thirty. I mean, you start church at 10 in the morning. It probably starts at 11, goes till four or whenever. It's just very different. Uh, been to Uganda the last couple of years with my buddy Dave. And, and this last year I went over to this college to train the pastors for a day to have this ongoing dialogue about Jesus and the gospels and disciple making. And so I said, Hey, I'm going to come for a day and do this. So I go there in the morning and spend time and lunch and afterwards. And the, uh, the head master of the school, you know, he says, well, maybe you could finish some of that when you come tomorrow. Like, but I told you I was only coming for a day. Well, why don't you just stay for another day? I'm like, I already spent tomorrow, right? I've already got it budgeted. Aren't we like that? At the the break, I was looking at my calendar and I was budgeting time. I mean, I like it because I can put in the drive time. I can put in an alert beforehand. because I have meetings that are stacked, you know, this week. And and it's like, that's good to have that, right? As long as we allow margin. But we are very time conscious people we focus on time now how many of you are really aware of time and you like to be on time even a little early raise your hand if you're like that okay good excellent that's my that's my tribe right there okay all right uh how many of you it's like yeah whatever raise your hand okay it's like yeah we'll get there now you probably married the other person, right? Okay, I know I did. I, you know, I'm like, let's go. If we're not five minutes early, we're late. You know, That's just how I think. And she's like, it's a suggestion. You know, Let's hang out and talk. You know, that's, I get all that. let get all that. But it, it's, it's part of our existence that time really matters to us. The question, though, isn't what time is it? But the, the deeper, I think the most important question is what are we doing with our time? How are we really making every moment count? We add our years and our days and we live these lifetimes, but are we really living in those moments? Are we really present at that time or does time just become a tool for us to schedule? If you think about the book of Psalms and that's what we're in this summer is a series, the songs of the soul, this uh, beautiful poetry, these songs, these hymns of the nation of Israel. Uh, did you know that Moses wrote a Psalm, Moses, the man of God, he wrote a Psalm and it's Psalm 90. And if you'd turn there in your Bible, uh, you just, you're going to look at a few of the verses today. It's page 455 of your chair Bible. And you could grab that if you need a copy of it, the verses will be on the screen, but Moses wrote about time. Now, often a question I ask is, well, who is this person and why do they have authority to do this? Right. Or talk about this. Well, you think about Moses. Moses was a young man that was born in Egypt, born a slave of the Hebrew people, Uh, because of the persecution of the Hebrew people, the Israelites, his mother ended up getting him in the, the court of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's house. And so he was raised as a prince of Egypt for the first 40 years of his life. He had wealth. He was a royal. He had all the greatest education, the military experience. I mean, he was he was really on the way to greatness. Uh, but because of, of, of a, a series of events, uh, through a murder, he killed someone, thinking he could save his people, was ejected, had to flee the country. And for the next 40 years of his life, he was a shepherd, caring for sheep in a barren, desolate wilderness. Which a lot of people would think he blew it, and there's no hope for his life. Uh, but at 80 years old, God showed up and spoke to him through this burning bush and said, Moses, you are... The man I'm going to use to rescue your people, my people, the Hebrews. God sent him into Egypt through the series of the plagues, all those miracles. He led a million and a half or more people out of Egypt. Uh, They received God's law, uh, Mount Sinai. They finally, because of sin, wandered for 40 years. So that 40 years of shepherding sheep in the desert was good because it was 40 years of shepherding people in the desert, in the wilderness, And then he finally gets to that point where he hands it off to Joshua and 120 years. So here's the deal. If someone can live to be 120 and talk about the value of time, I'm going to listen to that person, right? Who can have all those experiences and encounter with God. I think they have something to say about the value, about the insights of how do we spend our life. And so that's what we're going to see right now. So in Psalm 90, it's a Psalm of life. It's, it's a song of Moses and he starts off in the first four verses here. I'm using the NIV Lord. You have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born, you brought forth the earth and the world and everlasting from everlasting to everlasting. Your God, Moses starts off with the first few verses and says this, if we think about our time, our existence within the framework of our lives, we're really short sighted. We need to think about time from God's perspective. If we really want to make the most of every moment, we need to think about it in the context of eternity. Now, that's hard for us, right? Because it says here, God is from everlasting to everlasting. This tells us about the eternality of God. God doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. He's outside of time. I had one of the Intel engineers explain to me something about the speed of light and how when you get to that, everything stops and God is light. And so therefore he's outside of time. I'm sitting there. I was just marveling. I'm like. I don't understand most of what you're saying, but it's brilliant. Would you write it out in an essay and send it to me? It might take me a year to get it, but that's amazing. But God is outside of our time. Now we're in time. We have time. We have clocks. We have the sun. We have everything that works to tell us about time and ages. Moses is saying, when you think about your life, the true way to think about your life is in the context of God's existence. And it's massive from everlasting to everlasting. Everlasting. We think about our lives, and let's just be honest, we're pretty short-sighted people, myopic, we're focused on ourselves. We're 16, 18, 20, 22, we think life is all about us, right? That's just how we view it, it's all about us. We're, you know, listen to anybody's story, we're the hero of our own story, everything revolves around us, we're the narrator of our stories. But the fact is, we're here with 7 billion people on the planet, and you add up the number of people beforehand, our stories may not seem significant. Until we understand them in the context of God's story. And so the question isn't really, you know, how do I fit God into my life? It's really, how does my life fit into God's eternality? And why would he love me? Why would he call me? Why would he want a relationship with me? Out of all the billions of people throughout the years, ages, generations. And what what would it mean to have an actual, not a successful life but a significant life where I am today in the short life that I have. And so Moses just starts by saying the bookends of your life are not the day you're born and the day you die. When you think about a bookshelf, a bookcase, and you have these beautiful, ornate bookends, um, I've got these ones, uh, Douglas from your grandpa, uh, in my office at home. He'd been to Africa. You probably were on that trip with him. He got these gorgeous African heads that are there and they're in my bookcase and they just, they remind me of, of, of a great friend of a, just a great guy, a great mentor and, uh, of just an experience around the world. And they're there and they're these bookends. And then, then you've got like the, the, the elementary early years and you're High school years and your college years and your young adult years and getting married and maybe having kids or going, pursuing a business and getting to the point where you're, you know, you're, you're retiring and you go and you die. And the last book is the final chapter, right? The bookends of your life are not the day you're born and the day you die. The bookends of your life are the bookends of God's existence. Never having a beginning, never having an ending. See, we like to think that we are human beings, physical creatures, having a temporary spiritual experience in our life. But the way God sees it is we're eternal beings, meaning we're born, and when we're born, when we're, you know, in that moment of inception, we're infused with a a spirit. It's kind of weird, mystical. But we're not just physical, we're spiritual, and we will live forever somewhere. We are actually spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience, right? That's really the perspective Moses is saying here. I know we think about our lives. I know we think about our generations. We think about our ages. I get it. But if we were to step back and say in the whole view of eternity, what really matters? See, that's when we can learn to live life. That's when we can really discover the purpose of our life is not to pursue what we want, Not that that's bad, necessarily. It's just a whole lot less than what we could have. And that is discover what God wants for us in our life. Not what is my purpose in life. What's God's purpose for my life? We begin to get a glimpse of that with these words of Moses. The idea is that God has this great, immense love for us. And here we are, we're born, and we live. And and this is the crazy part of this, we'll see as we go on, is that our lives are just a short, short, short season just a short season 60 70 80 90 years but what we do in this little tiny life i'm just from generation to generation i mean you think about it since our nation was was born you know since uh, europeans came over and the, the whole revolutionary war and all that we've had generation after generation after generation but think about that since the beginning of time since the very creation our little lives right here what we do in this little tiny life amidst all of eternity what we do here matters for the rest of eternity. What we do, how we live, how we die, um, what we do after we die. The Bible says we all have an eternal life ahead of us with God, without God. So Moses starts by saying, you know, you've been our dwelling place, the generations everlasting to everlasting. He says, you turn men back to dust saying, return to dust. O sons of men. This is a reference to the creation story in Genesis one and two, when God's, uh, it tells us that God out of the dust of the dirt of the earth, he created mankind. Uh, and it literally is dirt. So, you know, the idea of Adam is this red ruddy dirt, the name there. Uh, it's like dirt man, you know what I mean? Which explains a whole lot about guys, you know, dirt man, um, and, <laughs> So, cause that's who we are, right? But we're made of the dust and we return to the dust. You hear that in some funerals, yeah, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I had the privilege a week and a half ago of being in Central Oregon at a ranch, hanging out with some pastors I shared last week with Luis Palau, and just kind of hearing his heart and spending a couple days with Luis, and it was a phenomenal time. We were there, and we got to see a lot of things, do a lot of things, and uh, the owner took us on these ATVs over to the Pioneer Cemetery. This is east of Brineville. This is really far. It's the middle, south of John Day. It's in the middle. Pioneers. They start, I mean, they just started life there. They journeyed across in wagons and they showed up. We went to the Pioneer Cemetery, walked in there. It's kind of a sacred ground, you know. Men and women who lived 100, 150 years ago showed up here. Crazy. The beginning of our state and the tombstones, the markers, you know, they were all in the 1800s. They were born and they died. They were born and they died. Uh, man, the mortality rate was... So high, a lot of children's markers. There was one stone with three teenagers. They had passed away on the journey. And you're standing there and there's nothing left of the people. Their bodies have long ago decayed. And all that is left is a marker with a bookend of a birth and a death. And that's what's happening in our lives, if that's all our life is about. And to think about these people that lived and had a full experience like we did, maybe some cut short, in the youth of their life. Uh, But here we are today. Here I am today. Here we are in this moment. Here we were standing by those markers thinking life is more than about us. It's bigger than this. And he says, return to dust. We all die for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. What Moses is saying is, you know, it's just, it's so much bigger than us. A thousand years is like a day just passes like that or like a watch in the night. Um, I, I, guy was praying and he was praying to God and he said, God, I want to understand this a thousand years. How long is a thousand years to you? He goes, it's just like a minute. God said, he goes, wow. He goes, God, how much is like a million dollars to you? He says, well, it's like a penny. And so the guy says, God, can I have a penny? And God said, yeah, in a minute. Um, (laughs) I was, I was sorry. (laughs) It's really bad. Uh, Sorry. Um, I was talking to that Intel engineer and he said, so a thousand years, if you do the math and I'm not doing that, I could have asked Seth to do the math, but if you do the math, Our years, which for a male in the United States, 79.1 is the average for a female, 80. All right. So the women will outlast us, right? Uh, By on average there, a little bit. If you take a look at the thousand years and what that means, you know, it's like a day, 79.1 years. That is, you ready for this? It's one hour, 53 minutes, and 54 and a quarter seconds. I'm like, it took an engineer to figure that out. Thank you so much. But that's how... Fast our lives are. And then you figure my sermon's 35 minutes. I'm wasting a quarter of your life. Right here, right? Okay, in church. Okay. So, but, but, but the idea here is that it's fleeting. He says, or like a watch in the night, Um, a watch in the night where there were certain times set up for people watching, guarding. In college, I was a night watchman in Salem, and I worked either the 7 to 11 shift, which was always fun because there were people, people doing homework, people partying, hanging out, that kind of stuff. You have a lot of friends there. You can hang out, walk around with security. The 11 to 3 shift, that was a bad one. Staying awake. It was dark. It was really dark. It was in Salem at at Corbin Western Baptist where there's prisons all around you. It's kind of eerie. And, um, you know, walking around at night, hearing things, seeing shadows move. And then there was the three to seven, which was great to get up early and go to, you know, do the work and go to breakfast and fall asleep in class. Um, But the fact is, is that it was just a couple of hours. And what Moses is saying here is when you think about God's existence, it's massive. God's existence is, is There's just no way to count it. It's just timeless. That's the God we worship, but our lives, they're over like that. Uh, The half brother, Jesus, James, he says this, he says, our lives are like a vapor. They're like a mist that rises up and they're gone. The Bible says our lives are like a blade of grass. They, we just kind of spring up and we grow and then we die just like that. Our lives are short. The question is, what are we going to do in the short life that we have to make a big difference in the world and to make a big difference because we have a relationship with God? Moses goes on to say this, and I I love how he does this in verse 10 and then down in verse 12. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away again, a beautiful picture that our lives are gone. We're like a bird and we're just gone. And what we do matters if we have a relationship with God. Because it's not about trying to take our life, our 70, 60, 70, 80 years or whatever we're given and just pack it full of things and fill our lives with all these emotions and encounters and travels and things. I mean, those are good things. Businesses and decisions and people. And so those are great. Um, But if that's all we do with our life, when it's over, it's over. And we've spent our only life on ourselves. But instead, if we could think about what life is really all about, it's about God, not about us. And the true purpose of our lives is God's purpose and getting into that. Then whatever we do with our life can really mean something for not just this life, but for other people for all eternity, because the short time we have will be gone. In fact, this is what he says in verse 12, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We number our years, don't we? We have birthday parties. Those are exciting. Well, at least until you're 39 and three quarters, they're exciting. And then once they turn to 40 and then they go 50 and 60, we don't really like to think about those. And when you're a kid, a year is forever. And when you're older, a year is just like that. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So that we could truly have a perspective of what life is all about. So that we could have wisdom in the moments, the everyday moment of life. Teach us to number our days. I, I know we do this as a people, we do it. We number our days. We, we think about the days and we count until a a moment, an event. Kids, when they think of a birthday party, they know, birthday party, they know how many days until their birthday. I was participating in a wedding yesterday, George and Stephanie, great couple from Sunrise, and they were married in Newburgh and drove over there and it was just great, got to pray in the service and, and you know, a couple weeks ago asked George how many days. He knew exactly how many days till he was getting married. Now if he can remember his anniversary date, that's gonna be a miracle, okay? Right, men? But, but to think about this, he knew the days. Uh, We had a lot of students graduate from high school and you could have asked them three months ago, how many days they had the days counted down so they no longer had to go to school or, or graduation or, you know, just think about life Um, or think about Christmas, right? We even have apps on our phones that can tell us how many days till Christmas we number our days. I saw my friend Annette, you know, very pregnant. And I asked her this morning, how many days she said, six, right? Every, ask any pregnant woman, she knows, all right, how many days, all right, we number our days, we number our days. What Moses is saying is if God could teach us to number our days, we could gain a heart of wisdom. I like how the new living translation says it. It says, teach us to realize the brevity of life, the shortness of life. So we may grow in wisdom. In other words, the wisest person knows that life is short. And if we can make the most of every moment, every hour, every day, every month, every year, then that will be a meaningful life. Whether we've lived it all for ourselves or we've lived it for God and the people that God's put around us. When you get to the end of your life, will you look back and know that you did all that you wanted to do? Or will you realize that you did what God wanted you to do? And so I think it's a perspective change for us. Teach us to number our days. Because, my friends, the truth is, our days, they are numbered. We don't know the number of days, but they are definitely numbered. And we uh, don't have any control over that. We don't even really have knowledge of that. I mean, I, I wish it was like, you know, we had an expiration date on the back of our neck, like the gallon of milk. You know what I mean? You open it up, it's like, whoo, there's a date we know exactly. Because you discover people that hear a report from a doctor... The doctor says you have three months to live. You have six months to live. What you do in those days are probably radically different than what you would have done if you had never heard the report. And apart from quitting your job and going to Disneyland, what you do in those moments matter. What if we just lived like that today? What if we lived like every day was our last and it really mattered? Mattered to God, mattered to the people around us. We spoke the words We had the experiences and the moments and we lived like today was the day. I have a ritual that I do every day, either in bed when I turn the alarm off or stand up or this morning it was down in my chair, uh, reading the Bible, reading through Proverbs and eating breakfast. It's like a prayer. It's a moment where it's like, okay, God, I want today to count. I want to know that today mattered to you. So I want to experience what you want me to experience today. I want to talk to people. I want to see you work. I want to see this day from your perspective. I don't want to end my day, God, having asked you to bless my day. I want to see what you want to do in my life. And I want to do that. I want to join what you're doing, God. I want to be a part of this. I want to encounter whatever you want me to encounter and whoever you want me to encounter. I don't want to get to the end of the day just having wasted it because every day counts every moment matters you know david in psalm 139 we'll see one psalm 139 next week but just one verse he says this verse 16 all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be i i don't know how it all works i don't know if there's any way for us to get a, a full glimpse of it but we have a set number of days we don't know what they are all the days ordained for me will often say she was cut short in her life or she didn't live a full life or he didn't get to experience. You know what? Um, when a person is born, when a person dies, God knows all of that. And the number of days ordained, ordained for us are the days we get. Will we make the most of them? It's coming back from. Southern California, two vans full of pastors driving up the five. And we, I was just coming, we were probably like in Beaverton almost coming on 26 there. And I get a Facebook message from a a dear friend in Boise. And, and through the conversation, I found out that a pastor friend of mine had just died. He had cancer and he died. Another, another friend dying of cancer. And I thought, man, that's just not fair. I know his son and daughter. I married his son to, to his, his, his wife down in California years ago, and, and he's gone. Now, he knew he had six months. And you know what he did? He kept doing what he did. He preached. Uh, she said he, he, he sat there on the stool with chemo, no hair, and he preached. And he got to a point where he couldn't do it anymore, and so the church retired him. But he did everything to the full in those moments, in those days. Then he passed away. Ta what are we going to do with the very lives that God has given us? Because we do not know our days. We do not know our hours. We don't know how long we have. We're not guaranteed another day. I, I don't want to be somber. I, I want to I just be in the moment where we recognize and realize the significance of this moment. This day matters. This day could count for eternity with decisions, with relationships, number of years ago, I shared this, but I did it again this week. I went to deathclock.com. Have you done that? It's a great one. You could do this yourself. Just wait till the sermon's over, please. Show me some grace. All right. Um, death clock, the Internet's friendly reminder that life is slipping away. Um, welcome to death clock. Okay. The death clock will remind you just how short life is. So I entered my information, the day of my birth and my month and year and all that stuff. I'm an optimistic person, non-smoker, things like that. And I thought, okay, when am I going to die? And so this is what it said. I clicked the button. Sunday, November 19th, 2056. I don't know if that's before church, during the sermon, after church. I don't really know. Hey, I think I'll get to see my grandkids. If you guys finally grow up and have kids, all right, get married and that kind of stuff. Um, a billion seconds. Wow. A billion and a quarter seconds. I, I, don't, I don't know. How do you equate all that? Uh, when I first input all the information, I said, I'm sorry, your time has expired. Have a nice day. Um, I had missed one of the things, you know. But, I mean, it's kind of humorous, but it's a reminder that time is slipping away. That life does pass us by. And and I know the American way and I know the dream is to fill it with everything and have every experience and try to find the purpose of our lives. But my friends, Moses tells us very, very, very clearly and in a beautiful way that the purpose of life is God. And, And let's not try to fit God into our lives. Let's try to fit our lives into God because he is offering up the very life that we have. Now, here's the cool thing. It's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing. So God is eternal. He has no beginning or end. He's not in our time. And yet, he entered our time. And not just to show up with a message or an angel or whatever. God, who is the creator God, outside of time, after creating everything we see, time included, loved us so much that he stepped into our time and was born and had a human experience. That's Jesus. And he was born. He lived this life, perfect, sinless, without any fault, taught, ministered, loved people for the purpose of going to a cross and giving his life for us and dying for us. Actually giving the very life he had and his days were cut short so that we could have eternal life, life forever with God. And he went into a grave and he rose again on that cross in that experience He took your sin, he took my sin and paid for it. All the punishment, all the wrath that should be on us because of our rebellion against God, our falling short of God's perfect standard. Jesus willingly took upon himself and he died. His days were numbered and cut short. And he rose again, giving you and me hope that after this life, we will have the rest of eternity with him. And he did all that because he loves you and he loves me. And if you have not had that experience and encounter with God, you know, coming to church. Thank you. That's great. You know, reading the Bible, going to small group, praying all that stuff. That's all great, but you're still not experiencing the purpose of your life. The purpose is purpose of your life is to know God and to experience this life that God has for you. And then life really begins to make sense. And that's found through Jesus Christ. And when we come and we believe in that, we confess him as Lord Uh, The Bible says he saves us. He transforms us and makes us brand new. And then we begin to live life with a focus now of what God wants for us. I turned 40 uh, a number of years ago, 12 years ago. And we started on this journey in our church of a thing called men's fraternity. And it was just when I was turning 40, I'd had uh, my first child and it was kind of a wake up experience. And through men's fraternity, I learned a lot about being a man. I mean, I was 40 and I was still figuring this out. And I you know, had a rough childhood, a lot of delayed uh, emotion and growth for me into my 20s, really difficult 20s, just unlearning all that I had learned in my first 20 years of my life and, and figuring that out through all the pain and everything. And God taught me a lot. Um, but at the very end of men's fraternity, the last week, uh, the teacher, Robert Lewis, the pastor, he shared, you know, life is like seasons. And when you think of your life as seasons, you really can think about the purpose of your life in your season. And so this is kind of how he described it. I modified it a bit. But just like we have four seasons in in life, we have we have spring, we have summer, we have fall, we have winter. We could divide our lives that way. We could have the spring of our lives when we're zero to 20. And And you think about spring. It's fresh. It's growing. It's brand new. We're young. We're going to school. We're learning things. We're going to college. We're experiencing all these things. Life is an adventure. Just like spring, things are sprouting. Things are growing. Question is, what are you doing in this season of your life? If you're here and you're zero to 20, you know, what, what are you doing to really do things that matter for all eternity, for the people around you, for God? What does it look like? And then the summer of your life, 20 to 40, and the summer, I love the summer, I'm a California kid, uh, on this conference we went to, I was in t-shirts and shorts and flip-flops, like this is life, I love this, you know, this is great, this, but then I, I, the thing that was a slap in the face, the cold water was, was the fact that I was 40 years old and I was entering in the fall of my life. And if you ask my wife, I hate the fall, right? That season where it just changes and it's cold and you got to turn the heat on in the house and you got to find a sweater and you got to wear socks. I mean, you know, come on, you know, you can't wear t-shirts anymore. And, and it's just like, I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with God. I was kind of mad. I was like, what, what do you mean? I'm, I'm just finally figuring out my life and now I'm in the fall. I, I know the fall is beautiful, the colors, the change, things like that. wasn't looking forward to the change of my colors. Um, but, you know, it's like you think about that. And then I began to discover that, you know, fall is a really good season if you do what God wants you to do in the fall of your life. And I began to think about that. I began to think about, you know, my spring, I had a lot of painful experiences God changed me and he, he gave me a new life in the summer of my life. And a lot of things happened, a lot of energy, a lot of growth, a lot of those things. Um, but really the fall of my life is to prepare for the next season. And that means to think more about my children or about the people I'm mentoring or discipling than about me. That's why I started training pastors around the world. That's where I started going to East Africa, going to Cuba now, doing these things because I don't want my life to be about me. I don't want to just be the late adolescence. I want to figure out what it means. So if you're in the fall of your life, like like I still am, it's not about you anymore. It's about the next generation. And it's about not having the experiences, but helping other people have the experiences, right? So you can mentor them and disciple them. And then finally, some of you are in the winter of your life, 60 or 80 or even beyond. And the winter of your life is a beautiful time. I spoke with the gal just after this last service. And she said, I've loved the winter of my life because now I can take all the experiences and pour into the next generation. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful perspective that this life, it's awesome, but it's not everything, but it's the the perspective and the picture that God gives us. About the true purpose of life, and that is about what God wants to do in and through your life. And so we think about this. Maybe this week have an assignment. The spring, the summer, the fall, the winter, whatever season you're in. Transitions are hard. I know that. It's tough to grow up and enter the summer and become responsible. Move out of your parents' basement, right? It's tough to, you know, to be in the fall and to realize I have a new purpose. Things are changing. It's tough to be in the winter. A lot of people in the winter don't don't think that their life really matters. Oh, immensely matters. The winter of your life is so huge for those. The people that pour into even my sons, grandmas. It's absolutely essential to pour into the next generation. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we draw to a close. A couple things. One, if this is kind of an you know, a, a, a eye-opening thought about the seasons of your life and the purpose of your life. After service, come up. And uh, talk to one of the folks up here. We'll have some men and women praying. And grab one of these little booklets. It's uh, it's a free book we give out by Pastor Rick Warren. What on earth am I here for? It just talks about the purpose of your life. It's really a good challenge. And uh, maybe come up and talk to someone about Jesus. About following Jesus. Being forgiven of your sins. And we do this every week. Pastor Kevin takes my sermon uh, transcription. Or what I'm supposed to say. If I were to actually read it to you. Um, and all the things I would say. And then he puts discipleship questions. Great for small groups. If you're a small group leader, we have a lot of small group leaders that just grab this every week and then just kind of go through that. Uh, it's great for just even grab your family or some friends and work through it. Maybe grab some classmates or some you know friends from work and just say, let's take some time and talk about this in life. So great things about our heart, our head, our hands, and work it out. Because for me, whenever that day is for me, I want to know that I not just made the most of it for me, but I did exactly what God wanted me to do because anything else is a waste. My friends figure out who God is, his purpose, join him in that, and he will do amazing things through you so much more than you would ever imagine, ever hope or ever dream. That's what happens when you begin to follow him. Let's pray together. Father God, um, time is short and time is such a precious commodity, but if we worship time itself, we miss out on the purpose Those moments, those events, those encounters in the perspective of what you want for us, that's what we want. We want to encounter you in the middle of our days, our life, even today, to make big decisions for you, to join you on the adventure of life, to not leave you till the very end or discard you from our lives, not just to add you to our lives, but to transform our life and give it to you so you could do something amazing in and through our lives. Jesus said we could be storing up treasure. Your son said that what matters most is not what we do now for us, but what we do for others and what we do for eternity. May we make those monumental decisions about the rest of our lives, and then they will truly matter. And we won't just have success in life. We'll have true significance as we follow you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.